You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Hey, good morning to you and a happy Friday. But we do have to start the show off with, well, some potential and very serious military operations going on around the world. The lead. Yeah, we don't typically start things off with things that are going over on in Iran and Iraq, but we have to because Arizonans are waking up to the news that the U.S. took out Iranian General Qasem Soleimani in a drone strike. On the streets of Iran this morning, Iranians calling death to America, and we're learning that security is being stepped up in some big U.S. cities. You, you say big U.S. cities. The Phoenix Police Department tweeted one hour ago. You ready for this? It kind of not in response to anything. They just said there are no known threats locally, but the safety and security of the residents of Phoenix is our number one concern. The Homeland Defense Bureau of the Phoenix PD is in close contact with our local, state, and federal partners regarding events around the world. Hashtag Iran. Hashtag Soleimani. Yeah, that doesn't make me feel really good. How about you? It's kind of like, hmm. Uh, The mayor of New York uh, this morning talked about stepped up patrols. The Los Angeles Police Department has come out and said their Homeland Security Department is is, uh, on top of things. There's a lot of people on edge. There are a lot of people on edge. And to help us get a bigger perspective on this story, joining us right now on the KTAR Newsmaker line is ABC News correspondent Aaron Kontursky. Good morning to you, Aaron. Good morning. Um, Give us the lowdown. What happened overnight and where do we stand right now? An American drone took out Qasem Soleimani, the top general in Iran. He was at the Baghdad airport or near the Baghdad airport. The U.S. Uh, had intelligence of his location and, uh, and took him out along with others uh, in a drone strike. Uh, that has touched off almost certain retaliation. And, and then some of the fears that you talked about in major American cities where uh, the authorities are on alert for any Iranian activity, uh, and they're also monitoring possible targets for stepped-up security. Uh, again, ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky is joining us. And, and Aaron, if I understand correctly, not only was Iranian General Sobani, again, at the Baghdad, Iraq airport killed, but members of the Iraqi government were with him? I, I, I believe so, uh, although I don't know about additional casualties specifically. Okay, um, but that 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 was the that was the intelligence that the uh, the United States uh, seemed to be going after Soleimani. And then others may have been collateral damage. All right. So, so Aaron, I want to talk a little bit about what you just referred to moments ago as far as stepping up protections in certain U.S. cities at certain areas. Because when it comes to uh, conflict with Iran, I mean, we're, we're not going to have Iranian military storming the beaches of the Outer Banks of North Carolina. That's not what we're going to see. Good what point. we may see, though, is more of like a cyber attack mm. in these cells within the United States or anywhere in the world. World, starting to target some of our infrastructure. What can you lay out for us in that regard? Well, it could be a cyber attack. Uh, it could be a traditional military strike somewhere in the Middle East. Uh, Soleimani was responsible for establishing networks of terrorists and militiamen uh, that, that exist in, in pockets all around the world. So there could be some kind of a strike in Europe or the United States. Uh, anything like that is possible, either by you know Iran or one of its proxy groups. Aaron, thank you so much for your time today. And we might be checking back in with you as this story continues to develop. That's ABC News' Aaron Katursky. So one of the things, and I'm going to try to bring some perspective to this. I'm far from an expert 
But I do think I know more than the average bear when it comes to this. I bore Pamela with this knowledge all the time. Lay it on us, Yogi the Bear. General Soleimani was responsible for a variety of different Shia, uh, this, uh, 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 a sect of Islam, Shia militias of military, paramilitary people operating outside of Iran. Specifically, a lot of them were operating inside Iraq. And they were oper- operating inside Iraq under General Salmani's command, fighting against ISIS. And that for the previous few years, these Shia militia, because the only thing the Iranians can agree that they hate more than the United States are Sunni Arabs. And Sunni Muslims. So guess what? The idea that you could go to Iraq and kill members of ISIS, they just couldn't get people to sign up quick enough. And General Soleimani was kind of the one of the, the, the big leader who was organizing these fights against terror groups that we agree were bad guys as well. So I take him out now. This is a general who is very high up in Iran. And he has actually been able to travel with impunity for years. He's uh, he's been I find credited. it hard to believe we just found out where he was. Right. W- right. He he has been credited, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, with several attacks over decades. Mm-hmm. So why now? That seems to be the question. Okay. Because there seems the to be there seems to be a bit of a mixed message coming out of DC, right? You have Pompeo saying there was an imminent threat. Yeah. That Soleimani was part of a plan that was an imminent threat to Americans. And then you've got the president who is saying it's more of retribution for what we saw at the U.S. Embassy in Mm -hmm. Iraq over the weekend. Dan Hoffman, though, is a retired CIA station chief of Middle Eastern operations. And earlier this morning, he joined us on Arizona's Morning News. And I want you to take a listen to what he had to say on this. The United States made the decision that he was going to be planning attacks against us, ongoing attacks. And so we took a uh, preemptive attack against him and uh it's driving you know certainly the level of conflict between our two countries iran and the united states uh to a direct nature and uh we're not at all out war yet but we could be on that path if iran miscalculates just let that sink in one second we're not at all out war with iran yet but we're on that path if Iran miscalculates. Well, here's something that That's is... That's a scary statement. Well, you say Iran miscalculates. Play along with me here. Recently, we killed al-Baghdadi, al-Zahari, Osama bin Laden. They were members of terrorist organizations. General Salmani is referred to in, in some, as the number two or the number three civilian member of the Iranian government. Iran is a country. It's not a terrorist organization, as much as we hate them. Don't get me wrong. As bad guys as they may be, I'm not trying to to church them up. But it is fundamentally different going after a member of a nation state as opposed to going after a member of a terrorist organization. Iran... Internally, I've been trying to read uh, some 
English language Arab media. You can find like Al Jazeera English. I'm trying to understand, like, how is this playing in Iran? By the way, not well. Yeah, when they're on the streets cheering death to America. Almost immediately after the attack, all Iranian TV stations pulled all their programming and showing nothing but pictures of, uh, of, of General Soleimani. Soleimani with prayers reciting with Of it. course, he's become a martyr now. Without a doubt. Yeah. And I was trying to come up with a comparable feeling. Play along with me here. We have to go back a few years. Because we, we don't make our, our, our military men into myths necessarily. But in recent times, if you take a look at kind of what he did and what he's credited with doing, think of General Schwarzkopf. Remember how we thought about General Storm Schwartz? And Storm and Norman. He was prou- proud. He, was, he got things done. He was a tough dude. He, yeah. What if, play along with me, I, Iranians had killed General Schwarzkopf as he was getting off a plane in Germany. That's kind of how they see this. You know, this is this is a story that's a very important story, hence the reason why we're talking about it right now. But I also recognize that people's eyes can gloss over when you start talking about Middle Eastern conflict and... Sunnis uh, and Shia. Yeah, exactly. I, I got to admit that, that that's not even where my head is with this. You know where my head has been with this, Bruce? is kind of where I was going with Aaron Katursky. I don't have a fear of Iran or any country, for that matter. You know, storming the beaches of Ocean City, Maryland. Okay? They're not going to march down Camelback. No, like, I, I, I don't. I, that's not the fear. But you know mm-hmm, what I mm-hmm. genuinely have a fear of? Is the cyber attack. The war, the cyber war, which we don't even really know what that looks like. Agreed. Um, we have had our own government say our electrical grid is susceptible to an attack. We know that Iran was credited with an attack on Turkey mm-hmm. back in 2015. It wiped out power to half of Turkey for 12 hours. And when it wiped out power to half of Turkey for 12 hours, it shut down hospitals. It shut down transportation. It shut down computers. Finance. And I just give you that as a, that's where my mind is. And so coming up at 1030, Bruce and I are going to dive a little bit more into that aspect of this story because I think that the world has changed. You know, the idea of... You know, putting troops on the ground still happens, and I have the utmost respect for the men and the women That's not in what this war country is look like in the that do that and, yeah. and and fight for our country. But the fight. When it comes to warfare, it has gone more cyber, and I think that's the bigger threat when it comes to Iran. I, I see some of these national security people. There's, a, there's, you know, these think tanks, if you will, come up with papers. And, and one of these members of one of these national security think tanks said, if you're worried about potential Iranian reaction to yesterday's strikes, for most Americans, you're likely to be fine. But if you'd like to do something to fe- feel prepared, make sure you have a full tank of gas, keep some cash on hand, and back up all your data. See that? That's from a national security expert. That scares me. Mm. That's, that's I get where you're going. alarmist. I get where you're going. And, and should we heed that advice? Or is that Why a bridge? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But again, we're going to be talking about that and diving into Copy that, that more coming up at 1030. This might be the perfect morning where you might need more than one cup of coffee to get through it. Are you addicted to caffeine? A lot of you can't make it through the day without it. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. You know what? Maybe it's the the 
the fact that there's a Starbucks or a Dutch Bros popping up on every single corner that you wouldn't be surprised that half of all Americans say they don't have a good morning unless it includes coffee. Uh, you know, uh, hi, my name is Pamela and I'm addicted to caffeine. Yeah? Yeah. I, I, I re- I've, I've been trying to kick the habit. Why as and I take a sip of coffee? Hard. Why would you do um, that? Well, because I hate when I wake up later on the weekends. You know, mm-hmm. I sleep in on the weekends and I got a half a headache. Ooh, what's that like? Yeah, well, because, sleep you know, in. you're like that, that caffeine. It's that caffeine headache that if you haven't like gotten your fix. Really? You have never gotten that? Okay. I'm, I'm not always in tune with the things I feel. Of course not. You know, uh, uh, I'm the opposite of a hypochondriac. I get up and like my chest hurts. I go, hmm, whatevs. But I don't drink coffee on the weekends. I only drink coffee here at work. Hmm. And you can do that? Yeah. I can't do that. Really? No. Okay, so maybe hey, I'm not addicted? I, my name is Pamela. Hmm. And, I, and so here's the thing. I used to, I, I used to try uh-huh. to wait until I got to work to have a cup of coffee. Oh, okay. Okay. And We have all you can drink free coffee here. And in in lieu of bonuses and Christmas <laughs> gifts. And you know what? Yeah. I would actually have a hard time driving to work in the morning. Really? I would literally get to like the uh, the sixty where uh-huh, uh-huh. the Broadway curve, right? Sure. I was, I'm heading to Phoenix, and and I'd be like, "All right, you can do this." You Line can down do the it. windows, and I'm like, "No, this is not safe." Really? So I need to have my cup of coffee in the car with me in wow. the morning. So I yes. did not know that was you. Yep, that is me. I am addicted to the caffeine. But when it comes to having a good morning, half of Americans say they can't have one. Not gonna happen without a cup of coffee. You know, you will even see the coffee mugs as they don't talk to me until I finished this. I just got a text from my friend Carlo. Are you yeah. ready for this? What Everyone say? I know is safer if I have a coffee before yeah. I start my day. Like, uh, my head is down <laughs> and I'm grumbling and just don't even engage. Really? I'm not a morning person. Okay, okay. And then not a morning person without coffee. It, you know what? You're taking your life into your own hands Ouch. at that point in time. But it's not just coffee that a lot of people need in order to have a good morning. You I'm can talking- get your caffeine other ways. Sure. I know people that drink soda pop instead. Yeah, I don't. I, I can't oh, tell no, you the last time I had do. a soda pop, as yeah. you call them. I call them pop. Um, but it's more than just that. In order to have a good morning, yeah, okay. caffeine is a critical part of that for me every morning. But a new survey also finds that 85% of adults wake up and actively try to think positively in the morning. Who are you people? 85% of the people, you're part of the 15% who don't. Making that conscious decision, like, all right, you know what? New day, new opportunity, let's get after it. I love it. What is that like? But coffee is an essential (laughs) part of that. (laughs) I can't get after it and I can't have a good day unless there's a cup of joe I just don't understand the level of disappointment you people must be used to when you have a crap day. I'm just telling you. You try not to have a crap day. Yeah, but it happens. It's called life. So when you wake up and you go, eh, today's probably going to suck. And you get to around 10, 11 o'clock that night no. and you go, eh, it didn't suck as bad as I thought it would. Look, I that's my high. Okay, that's see, my if you positive. wake up thinking, okay, today is going to suck, guess yeah. what? You're going to find a ton of evidence to support that. I do without help. I know, because <laughs> that is what you are thinking I of. I find so it So you're already. thinking, this sucks. And yes. guess what? You're like, yep, that sucks, uh-huh. and that sucks, and this sucks. Yep, it all sucks. But if you wake up, mm-hmm. like I do, trying to find the positives in life, then you're finding the evidence to Yeah, but then all the suck that. happens to you, and you're like, no, oh. you think differently about the suck. Oh, the suck. Am I surrounded by the suck? <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, idiot sometimes there. I feel like I am surrounded, surrounded by, by the, the suck. suck, right? 
Look at that idiot who just about drove me oh, off the road. Look at all that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no, no, no. I, and then I go, um, obviously, as you put it, that idiot needed to get somewhere a little bit faster than I did. So why don't you just you come on in? You do not think like that. <laughs> you are a liar, liar, oh, pants no, no, on no. fire. Driving you to work. You are no, no, shaking no. your fist at him. And- I admit that my commute... From Gilbert to Phoenix yeah. every day tries my patience. I know. And my my niceties go out the window by Tuesday. Okay. But maybe okay. on Monday. I think Monday. That way. <laughs> okay. So it's not even for you <sighs> that every day you think positively. You try to start the week positive, and by Tuesday you're over. No, no, can we talk? No, no, no. Thinking about no, life in a positive manner mm-hmm. versus thinking about my commute okay, in a positive manner. Okay, you separate those two. Totally two. different things. Fair enough. If I'm just driving around Gilbert and, you know, I'm on Gilbert Road heading to, like, Postinos or something, yeah, and somebody cuts me off, I'm like, okay, you needed that more than I did. I am, if I'm on the 60, that's a uh, different situation. I am, I am in, the, in the vast minority of humans, but I guess I'm pretty used to it because, again, some of these numbers. 48% of you say getting exercise in the morning is key to a good day. Yeah, yeah. The thinking positive. Yep. Waking up early and meditating. N- none of which I participated. Yeah. How's that working Medita- out for you? It's- yeah. Have Come you ever on meditated? In the waters? Never in my life, no? I don't think. Is that like daydreaming? Well, it, it, it kind of. I doze bit, off sometimes. Uh, is that, that's called napping. That's just that's napping. napping. Okay. That's napping is not meditating. 10 4. Now, right. now I know. Clear? Yeah. Awesome. Hey, I see movies. Well, except for the scary ones, so you don't have to. Last year, I came. Cl- I think it was right around 110 movies. I lost track at some point. I've got my top movies of the year. I'd like to share them with you. Tell you what, we're counting them down for you. It's coming up next, right here on Arizona's News Station. KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Movies in a minute. Brought to you by Peoria Ford. Ready to serve at 91st Avenue and Bell Road. If you bought anywhere but Peoria Ford, you paid too much. All right. I see movies, except for the scary ones, so you don't have to. Uh, 2019 was another banner year. Over 100 movies I saw in oh, the theaters. Geez. Now, you say, but hold on. Holy a lot cow. of people go, oh, you're lucky to see that. I'll remind you, I saw a lot of bad movies in the theaters also. But when you talk about 100 movies, yeah. you feel like just average two hours a piece. Yeah. You spend a lot of time I in don't a movie how many theater. Hours that is, That's too. Oh goodness. Okay. Yeah. I don't. It's wow. a lot of popcorn. You spent like days in a movie theater this year Great. or last year, rather. Yeah, I'm very good friends with Harkins Tempe Marketplace. Um, but I want to run down. This okay. is my top ten movies of the year. Okay. We're going to start with number ten. We're not going to get to all ten in this segment. So I'll do five in this segment, five in the next one. All right. Okay. What do we got? What Are you ready for my number ten? Okay. So ten. Brrr. The Two Popes. Yes. I want to see this one. So let's put it this way. No one is going to confuse me for being overly religious. No. And I admit that what I don't know about the Catholic Church, the Vatican, and the life of a pope could fill a variety of large rooms. Okay? I thought this film was fascinating. Not only for the glimpse behind the curtain or the walls of the Vatican, but for two command performances at the hands of Jonathan Price as Pope Francis and Anthony Hopkins as Pope Benny, Benedict. Benedict, yeah. Now, while the Catholic Church is the obvious setting, I think the story is more about the unique relationship between Pope Benedict and soon-to-be Pope Francis. I thought it was absolute joy, and it's streaming right now on the Netflix. Yeah, that's why I'm going to actually watch it. I think you should. I don't I think get out to really movie theaters it. very often, but those that are like going straight to Netflix, the, I'm in. By the way, on my top ten list... Three that went straight to streaming, which I think is also a sign of a a big change. I'm good for you. (laughs) 
Next up on my list, yeah. at number nine, uh-huh. this was a movie a lot of people are looking forward to because of all the names associated with it. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. To my right is Bounty Law series lead and Jake Cahill himself, Rick Dalton. And to my left is Rick stunt double Cliff Booth. So, Rick, uh, explain to the audience exactly what it is a stunt double does. Actors are required to do a, a lot of dangerous stuff. Cliff here is meant to help carry the load. Is that uh, how you describe your job, Cliff? What, carrying his load? Yeah, it's about right. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, yes, Margot Robbie. Wow. Right? Bruce Stern, Luke Perry, Al Pacino. Oh, Luke Perry. Sorry. No, but it's awesome, though. I, I like it. And directed by uh, Quentin Tarantino. Um, I like this movie. Now, I don't is think it, it's is a Is it a real Tarantino kind of movie? Yes and no. Okay. Here, play along with me. It's not a surprise when you get some of the best actors of a generation into one movie, yeah, you're going to have something good, right? Like star-studded cast. And with all Quentin Tarantino movies, you get a lot of dialogue, okay? There's yeah. a heck of a lot of talking, these long stretches, a lot of dialogue. There's some unexpected humor in there. The Bruce Lee scene is fantastic. And some over-the-top, almost cartoon level of violence. But this, that's, Quint- that's Tarantino. Right, but this is a less violent movie than I think a lot of other than Tarantino films. A hell of a lot less okay, than less than Pulp Fiction. Okay, How's that? okay. I also really enjoyed the attention to detail, the twist at the end. I think it's a modern day classic. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came right. in at number nine all for right. me. I'll all bite. Right? I'll bite. My number eight movie of the year. All right, taking a look at this, another one that had a lot of people talking. The Joker. Yeah. Now, let's get this out of the way. Joaquin Phoenix is brilliant, and in my opinion, deserving of the Best Actor Oscar. Okay, and it's very hard to separate. Joaquin Phoenix from this film is not only is he mesmerizing and basically you can't take your eyes off him. He's on almost every single scene. His portrayal of a slow descent into criminal madness feels almost too real at times, almost too intimate. And I think it's what makes the movie really, really special. Mm. The Joker comes in at number eight. For me, number seven, another one that you could stream today if you chose. You did, right? I've seen Pamela? it. My dad watched it the other night. Boy, it's a it's a marathon. It's three and a half hours long, and it's called The Irishman. Only three people in the world have one of these, and only one of them is Irish. I heard you paint houses. No, please, no, no, Yes, I do, sir. Yeah. You heard, like, the three voices in there. Robert De Niro. Yep. Al Pacino. Yep. Joe Pesci. Yep. The movie also has uh, some great bit players. Harvey Keitel, Ray Romano, uh, uh, Bobby Cannavale. You have all these kind of, like, they pop up. You're like, dude, I know that dude. Yeah? Um, Directed by Martin Scorsese. This is a bit of an epic, I think. Really an amazing movie. Now, it is long. Three and a half hours long. Let's get that out of the way. It took us like four nights to watch. I do think it's amazing, though. And here's what I also think. Let me. Let, I'm going to make a bold statement. I think future generations will look back on the Irishman the same way we view The Godfather, Goodfellas, and The Soprano series. I think it's a glimpse inside the mafia that humanizes, let's get out of the way, objectively bad people, but doesn't resort to the obvious cliches of a mob movie. 
And it's a reminder that Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino, and even Pesci are still capable of delivering some of the best work in, in the, of their storied career. I co-sign on everything you've said there. Okay. One thing I want to add. Please. The makeup was amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, because my you have, goodness. You have them over, what, 30, Robert 40 years? Robert De Niro? Mm-hmm. I mean, the makeup that they were able to make him look young. Yeah. And then, like, the super old I get, but, like, the young incredible my number six for the year the last one in this segment i'll say paola my number six for the year um is a movie called jojo rabbit it's just a weird name i agree and it's not every day you can talk about how funny hitler is (laughs) for good reason but that's exactly what you get in jojo rabbit now aside from what i thought was genuine humor this is the incredibly compelling story of a kid jojo who struggles with the propaganda he's fed in World War II Germany, coupled with the reality he experiences from the people he meets, including a Jewish girl. The movie goes from touching to hilarious to heartbreaking, and it is a heck of a ride. Jojo Rabbit came in at my number six. So, Quickly, just the, the the first five, if you will, my top 10 of the year. Number 10, The Two Popes. You can watch it on Netflix right now. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came in at number nine. Joker at number eight. Irishman, another one you can watch on Netflix right now at number seven. And number six was Jojo Rabbit. Two in there and three in my top 10. I won't give it away to the next one. Are all They all went straight to streaming. And I do think there's something to be said about that, where the changing world of what we constitute a movie, going to the movies, watching a movie. I mean, think about it. You've got major A-list actors and directors you can watch on Netflix. You don't have to go to the theater. I was talking to my dad about this yesterday with The Irishman because he watched it just the other night. And I said, you know, it only has to open in like what? L.A.? L.A. and New York York. play for one week and then it's eligible for awards. And my dad's like, yeah, but it was only in the movie theater for a short period of time. I'm like, yeah, it it only has to be. Right. And then it goes straight to Netflix. He's like, that was on purpose. That's weird. I said, well, Mm -hmm. that's kind of where these movies are going. The the norm, maybe? And again, it used to be the straight to streaming movies were like, don't waste your time. A lot of movies with John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Exactly. For example. (laughs) These ones are amazing. When you think of pop princess Katy Perry, you probably don't think about depression. We're going to talk about her opening up coming up next. I got the eye of the tiger. Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Uh, and just so you're clear, we are keeping an eye on the uh, situation, Iran, Iraq. Uh, we're going to be talking next hour about Iran's capabilities, if you will, military or otherwise. How concerned should you be? That's coming up. All right. Why some Katy Perry? Well, it's because Katy Perry has, and add her to the list of people that maybe you didn't know, suffers from depression. I guarantee you there's somebody in your life that is suffering from depression or anxiety or some sort of anxiety disorder that you may not know about. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that with more and more people talking about it, it's a good thing. So when you have somebody like Pop princess Katy Perry Mm -hmm. coming out in February's issue of Vogue India 
And what she's saying is that in 2017 to 2018, there was a period of time in her life where she did not want to get out of bed. Yeah. And that she'd battled this in the past, but that it had gotten really bad. And I think it's powerful. I think it's courageous for her to come out and talk about it and how she is battling it and the support system that she's tried to build around herself to give her, you know, a fighting chance. I think that it's it's amazing because it allows other people who are going through the same thing to go, wow. I'm not alone because we put these celebrities up on such high pedestals thinking that, you know what, their life is amazing. Just go to social media. Just go to Twitter. Just look at the the videos and we go, wow, they've got it all. But this makes her human and we're all human. I thought what was interesting for her is she is engaged to the actor Orlando Bloom. Yeah. Okay. And she credits him for helping her through this a lot of people who suffer from depression or deal with this may not have somebody around them may not have someone who's for lack of better terms willing to go through this journey with them because it can be rough it can be difficult at times but what's different it appears about their relationship and these are her words so i'll just read them to you is she says orlando is like a sage when we first met he said we would pull the poison out of each other and we really do it's exhausting, but we really hold each other accountable. And it is about that I don't that know if account- everybody feels, everybody finds that person. No, correct. Fair? But the thing of the matter is, is the accountability is a big part of it as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, it, it's not just being beside someone. It's, it's walking through that journey with them and being willing to call them on their stuff when you need to in an appropriate manner. And I, I, I speak of this because while I haven't battled depression like this in my life, I have battled anxiety. And what we're finding is in America, so many people are battling this. Now, while I've got some of the anxiety that I battle with, I know you've got some of the other demons to battle with. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've talked uh, about depression and, and dealing with depression and um, uh, kind of the, the, the one to ten scale, if you will, kind of where are you at any given time. And it is dependent on external factors, seasonal issues, medicine, therapy, etc. So we're not alone. And we talk about it on this program pretty regularly because we don't want you guys to feel alone because we know that there are several listening right now who can fall into this category. And and the reason being, American Psychiatric Association has said from 2016 to 2017, Mm -hmm. the number of people who describe themselves as more anxious than the year before went up more than 35 percent. That's a huge jump. Yeah. So what's going on? Well, we've got a lot going on. So we've got social and political division, right? We've got a lot that sets up people against people, the black against white, men against women, old against young. We've got a country that is constantly having to be talking about mass shootings and worsening climate change and grinding student debt and health care. And, and it becomes overwhelming and, and, and it kind of can lead to some of these catastrophic Thinking. In the last 20 years, the suicide rate amongst all Americans is up 33%. 33% in 20 years. Something's going on. Something's different. But, I mean, do you not see where all of those things that I've just laid out yeah. for you can... And, and I think it makes it sometimes hard 
you know, not to make it about us, but that makes our job hard because what are we talking about every day? Mm-hmm. We're talking about the social and political divisions. We're talking about health care and student debt and all of these things. And, and, it, and it makes it difficult. I, I thought this was an interesting piece in here. And I think this is telling and frustrating at the same time. The real national division is between people who have the resources in or in order to survive mental illness and those who don't. Wow. Those people they can afford therapy, not cheap. Drugs, oh. not cheap, oh. right? Who are surrounded by people that care for them, as opposed to the ones who don't have access to any of that and are told to basically suck it up and figure it out. We don't offer you this story to make you depressed. We offer the story to let you know you're not alone and that everyone's kind of battling something right now. It was certainly one of the biggest stories of last year in Arizona. But amazingly, it might even be worse than we originally thought. The Hacienda Healthcare. You remember the victim in this? The the woman, incapacitated woman who gave birth? Had she been sexually abused prior to this? Some new court documents say, yeah, they knew. We're going to talk about it. Coming up next on Arizona's News Station.